Hi guys and welcome back to series two of Sport Mental Health and it's all COVID-19's fault. Hope everyone's keeping well in this current climate. Myself, I'm in Victoria and we're back in lockdown. So we're what else to do but to get back on and talk to some sporting greats from local to professional sport. Let's crack on and uh, hope you enjoyed this series. Right, guys, thanks thanks for tuning in and welcome back to Series 2 of Sport, Mental Health and it's all COVID-19's fault. Um, I hope everyone's feeling good this week and uh, I'm delighted to say we've got a great guest on to start the second series. Um, he's an ex-AFL player with the Sydney Swans and St Kilda Saints. He's played made his way in there through regional footy and wet WA, played and captained a successful stint with Sandy Zebras in the VFL, currently making the step into coaching, although well, he can't bring himself to stop playing at Bomb Beach. Uh, he's also, outside of his fruitful footy career, he's a dedicated and influential figure in youth development with the Life Changer charity and running his own programmes called Fast Lane Programmes. Please welcome Trent Dennis Lane. TDL, how are you? Going well, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. How are you bearing up with the... Uh, Life down here in Victoria. Uh, it's actually it's not it's not too bad, mate. I suppose that if there's a silver lining out of being in lockdown in Victoria, um, we're in the middle of winter, so stay inside with the heater on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're in a like me, mate. My gas and electric bills are massive. Uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm dreading dreading the next bill cycle that comes through. Give you the hot tip. There's a reason that I let my wife deal with all that, mate. That's I don't have to see the damage. Yeah, me and my girlfriend, we've got like a little um, this we use this app called Splitwise, which just sort of keeps keeps track of who owes who what. So she pays all the bills, pays for all the groceries, and um, I've just got like this running tab that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like shit. Yeah, see, get married, mate. All that yeah. stuff goes. Yeah. It's in quotes. It's one pot. It's one pot. It's boring. What's mine is yours. <laughs> exactly. And what's mine is bugger all. Yeah. So, <laughs> nah, it's, what's it's yours? Well, yeah. What's yours is yours, and what's mine is yours. <laughs> but no, nah, like it's a weird scenario, isn't it? I mean, like it's whenever you go out, walk to get a coffee and stuff, it's like a ghost town. It's strange. Yeah, yeah, it is, and. um uh, I, I live up in the the Brighton area, so uh, you know a few walks, few walks down the on the along the coast. There's still a few people getting out, but um, you haven't done a Karen and I walk, walked all the streets in Brighton. And now you're... <laughs> huh? Not not yet, not yet. <laughs> it, it's a bloody big suburb. I don't know how she's done it all already. Yeah, no, nah, it, it's weird. And I, I mean, I, I think I know I am. I don't know about yourself. I'm a lot more prepared for this one. I mentally, I was, I know what I'm expecting. It's going to be a bit shit. But at least we knew what was coming. Yeah, it's it's interesting that whole um, knowing what's coming, knowing it's shit, and then still trying to, trying to work your way through it. Like I've had my moments of, Probably more moments of frustration in this second one. We're only a couple of weeks in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. knowing that, you know, we've already been through one gives you the confidence that you can get through another one pretty easily. It's just all yeah. the all the fun stuff in my life's been taken away, which is frustrating, like my footy, 
you know, the social aspect of being involved with a footy club, um, you know, restricted to one hour of exercise a day now. Um, uh, I mean, that was, that's never a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> one, only one hour, that's, 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 that's pushing it, you know. Uh, no, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Obviously, I'm in the, the sort of soccer sphere, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of people said that to me. It's not necessarily the sport that they're missing. It's the, it's the social to it. And yeah. I, I, it speaks a lot for me. I don't miss the pressure of, of coaching. But I do miss the social side, like with the girls that I coach and stuff. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's that connection piece, I think. It's yeah. The, it's the banter. It's the stupid gags floating around at training. It's the practical jokes. It's the taking, yeah. the, taking the piss out of everyone, having a bit even, of a laugh. Even even sort of your, your social media groups that you have, like, I don't know about you, but I know ours has gone a bit quiet. And, it, you know, it's, it's quite... It's understandable because people are, you know, you do feel a lot less connected when you don't, you know, you're still friends, but you're not seeing each other two, three, four times a week. Yeah, it's different. It's, yeah, it's, I, I suppose it's like, and you know, the all, the intentions of social media in those groups and stuff and the banter tries to fl- fly around, but it's just not the same. <sighs> it's sort of that that 70% of, of normal and... I reckon people are smart enough to see through it pretty quickly. Like, you grew up in Perth, mate, and, and this fascinates me as an Englishman. Like, Perth, most isolated city in the world. Yeah, like you're thousands of caves from anywhere. What, <laughs> what's what's that like, and what's the sporting? sort of side of that growing up like? Um, it's pretty much all you do as a kid <laughs> in, in Perth is, uh, you know, we're, we're a massive suburbia, essentially. Um, yeah. Parks everywhere, big open spaces, um, you know, footy goals at every school, every oval you go past and it's just kids. So footy... Footy's the main sport out there, is it? Yeah, so Perth is a, or WA is a footballing state. Um, Yeah, so I actually, I, my early juniors played a lot of basketball. um, And then later on when I was about 11, 12 was when I started playing footy. And it was just purely the fact that I moved schools and all my friends at that new school were playing footy. So I was just like, well, may as well. (laughs) Yeah, just follow the crowd. Yeah, but like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm just about to turn thirty-two. I'm one of those. I reckon I'm the last era of, you know, the youth that used to just hop on their bikes with a basketball under their arm or a footy under their arm and ride down yeah. the park with a with a cricket bat. You know, in summer it was cricket and basketball. In winter it was footy and basketball. Um, yeah. And I just I used to spend and it was either playing cricket down the park, cricket out the front shooting the basketball out the front, going down the park, kicking the footy. Like, that's what, that's all I did. Boy from Subiaco tackles a boy from Swan Districts, Then That would have happened a bit in the past. Oh, I think so. 20 seconds. So Dennis Lane, who has kicked three goals today. It's been a lovely little cameo, hasn't it? Yep. It's been accurate, but he's had chances. 
This you would think to get Sydney into the next round of the finals. What a temperament the youngster's got. Fantastic. Oh, he's a beauty. Actually, I, it wasn't just like an instant success story with my sport. Like there was a lot of setbacks, um, you know, missed, missed grand finals and premiership appearances. Um, but then when I was 21, I had, had a really solid, strong year at the, at the top level in WA and then was lucky enough to get picked up by the, the Sydney Swans, which was pretty cool. Yeah, like, I mean, that's, that's the dream, isn't it? it it's something like every young Aussie kid dreams of playing in the AFL. And, like, it, it, again, it's a different system. It's more American than it is uh, British, the, the sporting system here. Yeah. And then, and then, obviously, you have the draft. I'm intrigued to know, like, when you're put into that draft, do you do you have any say in where you may end up going, or um, or is it just pluck you out and throw you anywhere like a Sims character? <laughs> I love the analogy. I do love a bit, little little bit of gaming. <laughs> um, no, it is literally so you self nominate to start off with. Uh, yep. So you put your own name in the draft, and then it is a complete free for all. Um, wow. Yeah. So yeah. You sort of you got to be prepared to go here, there, or everywhere. Yeah, right. So you you, you sort of you, you nominate yourself to just be flown in anywhere yeah. potentially. And like yeah, right. most most kids that get drafted would have a little bit of an idea of um, where they could potentially end up based on you know you have meetings with recruiters and scouts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, okay, there's there's still you know like with with my situation, for example, like I spoke with Sydney once and then didn't hear from him. And then all of a sudden they called my name out on draft night and I was like, well, and that was the, yeah, right. the, the draft. The draft was on a Thursday night and I was living in Sydney by the Sunday morning. So it, it all happens pretty quick. Sure. Wow. That, did, were you, had you spoken to other clubs at that point? Uh, I was training down at Fremantle with the Fremantle Dockers through their preseason. Um, I got yeah. invited to train down there. And if I thought I was going anywhere, because I was a little bit older, usually you get drafted when you're about 18. Um, yeah. But I missed out the, those those couple of years, but was still, and as I mentioned before, had a pretty good year in my 21st year. And, yeah, yeah if I thought I was going to go anywhere, it would have been, um, you know, under the nose of the West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers, I thought that's probably yeah, where yeah. I was going to end up if I was to if I was going to get picked up. It, it, it was challenging in a sense that, um, admittedly, I was a little bit of a mummy's boy. Still, <laughs> still, still, probably am a little bit. Um, but it was probably what you know in terms of with with a bit of hindsight as well. Like looking back. Is what I needed, you know. Yeah. Like if I had have, if I had have ended up at um, a West Australian team, I still would have lived at home, um, and probably wouldn't have learned as much about myself as, as you know, looking back, moving to the other side of the country. Like start to think about everything: rent, bills, budgets, um, as well as <laughs> you know, juggling all that as. Um, as well as trying to perform. So it was good.
it really tested yeah. tested your character, tested your values, um, you know, tested did you friendships and relationships, which is you know, and you you find, yeah. you find out the ones that are, you know, the, sort of the right people to surround yourself with. Yeah, I, I mean that's definitely something I can sympathise with. Obviously, moving from the UK to here, yeah, like it, keeping friendships and connections is not the easiest thing you can <laughs> at the best of times. Let alone when you move, yeah, like a fair way away from home and and. It is difficult, and that can take its toll when when sort of friendships that you thought might last don't. Yeah, um, that's that can be a bit disheartening as well. Um, but obviously, then the flip side of that is, you, I mean, AFL teams you lot seem to have about seven hundred and fifty players per squad. So, like, <laughs> there's obviously there's obviously sort of friendships and, and, and things that you make there. And, and you would have played with some big characters at that club, wouldn't you, at Sydney when you first went? Yeah, so I, I remember texting my my stepdad, actually. I reckon it was the, the Monday and we'd gone in, had a little bit of an induction, done a little bit of a run around, um, and then we're off to lunch. And uh, Goodsy took me out for lunch, Adam Goods. And I'm sitting there, I, I remember yeah. myself, I was like, How's this? Like, I'm sitting here. It's my first day at the club. I'm sitting here at a cafe having lunch with a Brownlow medalist, one of the greatest of all time, um, Sydney players, or yeah. let alone Sydney, like AFL players. I'm just like, three, th- three days ago, we were, you know, sitting on the couch back home wondering whether or not my name was going to get called out. Um, to, to that, it's. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's a crazy, that's a crazy turnaround, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, as luck would have it, I'm, I'm not the biggest AFL fan. Like, I don't know much about it, but I've just finished writing a uni assignment on Adam Good. <laughs> so I know, yeah. like, he, the guy's incredible. The guy's incredible. And, and to, to go from basically sitting in your living room, like you say, in Perth on a fr- Thursday, to, to sitting there having, yeah. having lunch with, with essentially Australian royalty in, in many ways. Yeah. Like, that's, that's that's some turnaround, 21, 18, 51. Like, it, yeah. that's that's pretty life-changing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, but then, you know, that sort of becomes the new... to go back and slot it for his own confidence because his first three kicks haven't been the best. If you're going to fly it, you've got to make contact with the footy. Good play there by Canelli. Mm. Gee, McGlynn gets it. He knows what to do. Nice player, McGlynn. Right, he's got he's got one of the longest run-ups you'll ever see here. Okay. Told you I spoke with his dad coming into the ground. His dad was very confident. What about his kicking? Did you mention his kicking? No. I reckon the dad would be a good kick. He looked pretty compact. Did he? Yep. All right, he's got to get through the ball here. Down to this side. Dennis Lane, huge kick. Hopes of both sides riding on it, and he puts it through. Well done, young man. I want to. I want to get a little bit into sort of your mentality and your the mental state in some sort of big parts of of the game that us mere fans dream about. 
right so so when you're when you're about to step out for that first yeah. game when you you've been drafted you've been playing in front of 25 sheep in a paddock <laughs> in western australia yeah. and all, all of a sudden your first game was at the mcg it was it? against uh, the oh. richmond tigers so they've got a big supporter base so would have been a decent crowd. You're, you're standing there, you know, like you're a mummy's boy and your mum's not there. And, you know, like you're about to walk out in front of probably 50,000, 60,000 Tigers mm-hmm. fans. What, 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 what goes through your head at that point um, with that massive change of environment to, to make you succeed in it? Um, so there's a couple of things I remember. And I'll just, I'll just sort of talk you through. Talk yep. you through. Yeah. Um, the moments before my debut. Before my debut, I remember we stayed at the Crown Plaza, so I just tried to make my pre-game routine just as as normal as possible. Eat the same foods, you know, do the same things. Go for my little walk. Um, pretty sure I spoke to my mum in the morning, you know, just for a bit of a chat, like we always used to chat before yeah. before our games. Um, then I remember the next thing I remember is sitting on the bus and I was sitting next to our strength and conditioning coach and he said, I've got a little tip for you. And I was like, okay. And he goes, when you get out there, um, just do a, do a 360, soak in your surroundings, accept what it is, and then block out the surroundings. And I was like, okay, cool. So I walked yeah. out there and stood in the middle of the MCG in our little warm-up and did a little bit of a spin around and it felt like I was on the col- in the Coliseum, you know. Yeah. The crowd was starting to filter in. By no means was it packed at that stage. Um, you know, took a couple of deep breaths and went, fuck, here we go, you know, like this is it in 45 minutes or whatever it was. Um, it's going to be on. And then from that point of view, it was all about trying to, block out the external stuff and focus on the internal stuff. Um, and I was about, oh, let's just let's just work hard and get that first touch. Once I get that first touch, we'll, yeah. you know, we can relax into the game a little bit. Um, different story when you hear 50, 50 odd thousand people for the first time in your life. <laughs> um, sort of shocked me to the, to the systems as we're walking out there and I was like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> but once the game got going, uh, it sort of it was sort of business as usual. Um, you know, I still remember my first touch. I picked it up just you know on the wing somewhere, and a little handball to Adam Goods was my first ever possession. I'll never forget that. Um, yeah, nice. About five or so minutes later, I marked the ball about forty out on a forty-five degree angle, um, and had was having my first shot at goal this was when I sort of noticed all the external stuff come in, like the crowd was quite loud. <laughs> anyway, ended up shanking it, went out on the full. Uh, um, oh, you're one of, you, you were one of them that I moan about whenever I watch the game. Yeah, he's, a, he's an AFL oh, player. Yeah, he's How missed all, miss all of it. He's, he's missed all four. He's shooting. <laughs> Hang him. Get it. You know? Oh, you're one of them. Probably some of, the, some of my own internal dialogue. It's just like, okay. Just go, just go sit in the bench, curl into a ball and hide for the rest of the game. 
Um, yeah. So, ended, so if, you, if that's your yeah, first... first shot, ended up kicking a goal in in the last quarter, and um, some of the commentary around it is like, geez, he's been nervous on his kicks. Hopefully, he kicks it; he'll be good for his mental state. Rah rah rah. And my run up was probably fifty times as long as it usually is, and everything. But I ended up kicking the goal and um, got back to one of my strengths, which was my goal kicking for the rest of the um, for the rest of the year. I was I was pretty pretty damn accurate, which was which was nice. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there was a couple of moments exactly. where in my first game, especially, I, you didn't really notice it after that, but there was. That first shot at goal and that um, when I actually kicked my first goal was the two, probably only the two moments in my whole footy career where I've really noticed the crowd. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But I, I, that, that makes sense because the first time it that different environment is, you know, instead of the 20 sheep looking at away from you, <laughs> you've got this, you've got the 60,000 people looking you directly at you. Bang yeah. at you. Literally no one's looking the other yeah. way. You know, like it's – so that – and that's not – and fair play for coming back in and still putting yourself in the, in the positions to to market and get get a shot at goal. And then, I mean, luckily you, you got one through and, and I think that probably set you up pretty well for game two where you knew what was yeah, coming. Yeah, exactly right. There's a little so, bit of the monkey yeah. off the back, like – Right, we're we're away yeah. here. Um. The new normal, and you got to get used to it pretty quickly. Because if you get starstruck by all the people you're training and playing with, then you oh. you know you're going to lose your lose your focus and be distracted. <laughs> be playing a little bit of local footy down on the peninsula at the moment. Um, and people try throw out the it's not the AFL anymore TDL rah, rah, rah. and I just snap back at them. I just go, "How does it feel that I lived out your boyhood dream?" It shuts them up pretty quickly. <laughs> well, mate, that is that's as good as you can get back <laughs> yeah. at them, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's like I've, I've, I've done but... what you've dreamed of doing since you're a six year old kid. <laughs> And they go, yeah, no, and they mate, go, it's, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet most of them just tell me to go, ah, yeah, yeah, know. yeah, I won't go. I was like, yeah, I've got you. I know I've got you. <laughs> I've done you there, mate. No, just, and that, like we were saying earlier about missing that side, it, like, that's what you miss about the game, isn't it? That's what you miss about sport, like, giving it oh, that not, little bit yeah. of banter that goes It's not around. just a physical battle, it's a psychological battle oh. as well, and you know, it's fun. It's fun. Like, you know, it, oh, it, mate, you it. can push the boundaries a little bit on the, on the footy field with, with a little bit of the banter and, and what you say. But, you know, you come across that many blokes you think are absolute knobs, but then you, you catch up with yeah. them after and have a beer and or you shake their hand after the game. And it's all just – it's all a bit of fun and game. And I, I love the, the competitiveness, yeah. not only from a physical sense, but, a, you know, try getting their head sense as well. So obviously you, you did all that stuff and uh, um, like what I'm just interested to know like obviously when you played AFL it was a few years yep. ago but what when when you were going through a hard time and stuff what sort of mental health support 
does do the clubs give um, or the AFL? Because I know the AFL quite overarching in, in the organisation. Um, do, do they give any active mental health care as such? Yeah, so every, or yeah, when you're yeah. struggling? Every, every club has a, um, a psych or a sports psychologist that every player yep. has access to. Um, it is up to the player to source that out, though. So there's not like... And that's, yeah, that's fine because no, we all know yeah, there's that, no like, that won't work. Yeah. So there's no like, um, you know, every Friday at 3 o'clock TDL you have a meeting with, you know, rada rada the, the sports psych. It's like, no, no, you got it. You, yeah. Well, look, he'd be, if that was the case, he'd be working 35 hours a day. There's 700 <laughs> yeah. of you, mate. We've been through this. Exactly. He wouldn't have an hour exactly. off. Exactly. He'd probably be needing to catch up with, with someone himself because <laughs> he'd be so overworked. <laughs> Never ending chain, um, <laughs> Yeah, so there was there was that. Uh, we did a lot of towards the back end of my career, a lot of yoga, meditation, mindfulness sort of stuff started to come in. Um, yeah, transitioning out of the AFL when you get when you get cut, there is a the AFLPA help out a little bit with you know um, setting you up with some like financial budgeting courses etc um did you did you find that um useful do you think it could be uh, more again it, it comes down to each individual and how much they want to you know i suppose embrace, yeah, embrace it, it buy into it whatever you want to call it um it is a bloody tough time to be thinking about all that stuff like you're you know, you've just you've just had a had your contract. You know, you get told, yeah, yeah. You know, no, no more, no more footy, which means no more money. Um, and I think there's about a month, but before pay stops, essentially. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. See, I've, ne- I've never thought of it like that. Obviously, we can sit here and go, "Oh, why are they skint? They should have done this. They should have got this." But yeah, like you've just been told your job's done, your career's yeah. over. It's understandable that in the next month you you don't get round to financial planning yeah. and stuff. You, you're trying to battle. Yeah, you're trying, you, yeah, you're grief. processing it, hundred percent. You're grieving yeah. almost, and then I would imagine. And yeah. then the the biggest thing is just adjusting your lifestyle, um, mean, and you, and you, you just, just get caught with the crowd. It's just like. You know, you'll fit. You'll finish a session. Everyone will have a shower. They'll be in the locker room, and someone will go, "Oh, where are we going for lunch today?" And someone will go, "Oh, let's go here." And it's like, "Oh yeah, I'll come." And then you end up getting, you know, six to eight of you going out for lunch together. Um, and that sort of stops. But you know, you it's still ingrained in your method because it becomes part of your routine. It's like, okay, well, I've, you know, I'm at work. It's like, okay, what am I going to do for lunch? I'm going to go out for lunch, or yeah, it wouldn't even cross nah. your mind to make some nah. sandwiches. No, nah. it honestly doesn't. It <laughs> honestly doesn't. And I'm, and I'm a little bit, little bit of a lazy bastard as well. So, <laughs> but mate, I'm not. I'm not an <laughs> AFL player, and I don't have a lot of money, and I'm yeah. the same. I, you know, it, 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 it's that's a really interesting point because it does. Be, it would become part of your routine. Yeah. It would. Well, you I know, mean, look, you know humans the, are creatures of habit, um, and yep. that routine becomes habitual and habits are hard to break as you as you know so oh yeah um, that 
definitely. And, and it, it, I mean, look, compared to other worldwide sports, footy players, the wages aren't massively, massively higher than, than good civilian mm-hmm. earners. But, but it, it, it's generally going to be a drop down. And, and that's a really interesting point you make there. And, and I, it's, another, it's a perspective I'd never thought about because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you've earned X amount for 10 years. Yeah. But then you've had that ripped out from under your feet <laughs> with a month's yeah. notice. And, and that, you know, it's, it's almost being made redundant. Yeah. If, well, if, if, if someone gets made redundant, we feel sorry yeah, for Yeah, it's exactly like that. And then, you know, like you know, people have got, you know, rent to pay and mortgages to pay and um, they're sort of sitting there going yeah, like, okay, well, where do I, where do I so go and get this money from? Well, here's another one. Like, tell me if you don't want to talk about it, it's fine. Like, so say, were you, were you aware that your career with, you're at the Saints by this point, I'm yeah. assuming. Um were you aware that you weren't going to get re-signed? Did you have an inkling? Uh, or? Yeah, the, the the writing was on the wall. I had a pretty serious ankle injury midway through my last year. Um, and I was, yeah. you know, I was playing decent footy in the, in the VFL when I wasn't playing AFL at the start of the year and couldn't get a game. Um, St Kilda was going through a bit of a rebuild. So I was 25, 26 at the time, I think. And... You know, if a, if a young 18-year-old that had just been drafted was sort of putting out, you know, 85% of my output, they would get a game over you. Um, yep. Just purely looking forward, like looking forward, forecasting for the future type sort of stuff, which I which I understood. It's bloody frustrating, but I understood it. Um, <laughs> you can understand it without yeah. liking it. And then <laughs> later that year, once I come back from my injury, I got a game. Um, and then got dropped the following week, and then I was kind of like, "Okay, um, this is this is panic stations a little bit." But there's sort of two ways you can deal with it, and one is accept it and just drift off into the sun, or you could grit your teeth and dig in and try to compete. Nitro's the the latter. It's quite hard to forget that one day it will end. So to be in a position now, 32, and you're, you're enjoying where you're at and, and you're almost thankful for everything that happened, that's that's, that's some bloody Dalai Lama shit going on there, mate. That's, if you, uh, that's pretty if I, go, if I go back to, you know, I, I mentioned before the 21-year-old when I got drafted, complete mummy's boy, like <laughs> fast forward 10 years to now, Um. Yeah. Whilst I'm still a mummy's boy, I'm still lazy. I still like other people doing stuff for me. Um, you're a block. You're a block. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But the amount of stuff that I've <laughs> like, little life lessons I've learned about you know health and well being, about mental toughness, mental resilience. Um, like the whole it experience. Is, like five years in the AFL system, I had four different senior coaches. I had about 25 different assistant slash development coaches. Like there were so many people that I was able to sponge information off and their life lessons and you just, like it is just a cesspool of lived experience. I love the whole storytelling piece. You know, the, the this is 
and this is, you know, it's kind of in the space I'm in at the moment. It's like this is what happened to me um, from a holistic sense. These were the negatives. These were the positives. This is what I learned. Um, this is what I'd do differently if I could live that moment again. Um, if there's something similar that happens to you, hopefully you can draw on something that, you know, shit. It's the, yeah, the, the whole maybe. shared knowledge. Uh, there's no, well, there's no point me learning all this stuff and living all this stuff and then just, you know, shutting my mouth and not, not, not passing anything on where, you know, like potentially you could help one person and if I could help one person, then that's a win. Yeah, exactly, exactly, mate. And and that's a really good segue onto the next the next little bit that we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on to, which is the work you're doing now in in youth development. Yeah, yeah good to have you back. Um, you're you're working in, in in the youth development space at the moment and uh, doing a bit of work with a a charity. And uh, just just give us a brief explanation of of what's going on there. And and like you said before the the main aims of yeah, it. Yeah, cool. So working with a charity called Life Changer, um, I suppose a, in, a, in a snapshot, we are trying to give the youth of today the tools, tips, skills, tricks to live a more positive life, a more resilient life, um, and to have the confidence to overcome life's inevitable challenges mate that's essentially what we're trying to do and we yeah. get out in the community sporting clubs um schools etc and we run we run community-based face-to-face programs when there's no covid obviously <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of storytelling it's a lot of activity-based stuff it's a lot of self-discovery for them so we just explore a whole bunch of concepts yeah. that you know, people are sort of aware of, um, but don't yeah. really know too much about. And, you know, we go in, we touch base with them five or six times, try to build a really good connection in that community, um, engage some community-minded people to be mentors, which help us run our programs and um, trying to make a difference, just trying to help help one community at a time. It's it's, it's great fun. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm... I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean, look, it, everything that you're doing, obviously me and you, we, we actually met through me vol- try, uh, wanting to volunteer with Life Changer, which has turned out to be fantastic. Like, the more I've looked into it, it's, it's a fantastic project. Yeah. And, and what, what the reason I wanted, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast was because the way I saw it and the way I still see it is that, it's as much as life change is not a mental health charity. It's making the youth more aware of their mental health, of their resilience, which we all know is part of mental health and of issues that they will overcome. You know, so when, when you go into the real world, into the big world, you're not surprised when these problems come up. You know, they're they're not. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 they're, they're they're a quick. Yeah, correct. I don't know how to explain well, it. If well. you if you, <laughs> if you think about if you think about the space that most um, you know charities or mental health organisations or health and well being 
type sort of things that are focused around mindset, et cetera. A lot of it comes in after the problems have already started. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're yes. acting like a bit of a Band-Aid. All right, so this, is, yes. this has come up. Okay, now what do we do? Whereas I think our point of difference at Life Changes, we're trying to flip that where it's like, let's not wait for the problems. Let's get ahead of the curve. Let's be prepared, yeah. um, which really helps with that, that self-confidence point of view because you're, you are prepared. You know, you, yeah, I knew this was coming. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Like the amount of times in my life where you feel like you're prepared for a situation or a scenario, it actually makes me laugh. I go, and you get yeah. this great sense of, okay, I know this is going to be tough now, but let's let's knuckle down and let's get, you know, get shit done essentially is the beacon on the hill that we're working towards is you know more thriving resilient people because of the work we're doing with yeah. with the youth which is that in that sort of preemptive space in a real yeah which can be a real sort of challenging um sort of period of their lives they're starting to find their own identity they're moving out of you know childhood into yeah um more of an adolescent type sort of situation with school and um, you know, groups of friends and, you know, gossiping girls yeah. and bullying boys and all that sort of stuff, which you see yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Um, but yeah, trying to trying to equip them with the skills that, first of all, that they can accept that this is kind of the way it is, but I can get through it with, yeah. you know, X, Y, and Z. It is really just a holistic self-awareness course. Um, we explore both the positive and the negative because, you know, as I mentioned before, I think that's huge. if you only know half the story, you can only provide half the answers. If you're, if you're unaware yeah. of the, the negative things, you know, it might be the situations and scenarios where, which puts you in a negative mindset. And if you're unaware of that, then how the, how the hell are you supposed to do something about it? By TDL, this is a game that we play with everyone when I remember that comes on, we play a little game of this or yep. that. Basically, I just throw two things at you. You tell me which one you like. Them. Okay. Could be anything. Sweet. All right. Ready. First one. Saints or swans? Swans. swans. Wet or dry? Uh, dry. Dry? Yep. Hot or cold? Hot. Hot, yeah. You're yep. from Perth. Brownlow winner, Premier Medal. Premier Medal by a country mile. Yeah. Yeah. Last last one, just to, just to spice it up. Love COVID or fuck COVID? Oh. I love COVID because it's given me an opportunity to do some things that I probably wouldn't have done, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's got to be fuck COVID. <laughs> Fuck COVID, exactly, right? <laughs> Perfect, mate. Thanks so much for coming no on. No worries. Um, it's been a pleasure to listen to you. Really interesting stuff, some funny stories in there. Like, uh, yeah, thanks. No heaps. worries, mate. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. It was good fun. That was a great chat there with Trent Dennis Lane, the former AFL player. It's great to get people on with all these different perspectives. Super work. 
with the the youth development stuff post his AFL career. Uh, an absolute pleasure to have on. Please like, subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Every little helps. See you soon. 